from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are All My Fantasy Children. Welcome all to all my fantasy children. My name is Eric Katano Sayas. And I'm the weasel. This is all my fantasy <laughs> children, where me, a catastrophe of the weasel, take a fantasy prop and spin it into original fantasy character. Original, original, original fantasy character. <laughs> original. And we populate a, a, oh, we yeah. populate a fantasy universe one story at a time. And we also talk about the news, gossip, and all sorts of farts. We take your calls. We got a call on line one. Let's hear it, listener. Jeff Stormer, you're on with Ace A Catastrophe and the Weasel. Please give me back my podcast. Please. It is done. Hey, Jeff. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is all my fans and children. We're going to do what ACS and the Weasel said that we're going to do. Um, this is an old school intro, and I'm about it. <laughs> I'm feeling it. You know what? I'm feel- I mean, I'm not happy that we, uh, I guess we'd signed our rights away. We're ha- our show had been handed to ACS and the Weasel. Yo. But you know what? They did good work. I can't deny I've I've listened to the the backlogs. I've listened to the patron specific episodes and I can't deny quality content. If a real radio show were like, yo, can we have the keys to the car for like a lot of money? I would be like, every episode's hosted by CS and the Weasel. I I can't say that I wouldn't at least let them record an episode just to hear <laughs> just to hear how it went. Imagine the, like, deep into an episode, though. Imagine, oh, no. like, 40 minutes into an episode, and AC and the Weasel are like, Whoa, all right, whoa, hold on, let's roll out some tables. We got a four. Sucker or a pretty face. Woo, woo, woo. They would nut for those horny D&D tables. They, okay. they would go, they would, they would, they would live, that would be the whole show, would just be horny tables. Ugh, now someone's gonna make that, and it's gonna be Please. called, like, Demon horns. Do please, it. Please don't make that. Do don't, it. Nobody please, make that. Please. I, I, I am asking <laughs> you to make it. Um, I am recording live this week from a very important location, and it's called the basement of my grandmother's house. I'm sitting at the bar that's been in my grandmother's basement that I don't think a single soul has ever drank a piece of alcohol at, but it's been here since I was born. So, and I'm very excited just about being here. That's what's getting me excited this week is recording an episode sitting at a bar. It feels kind of cool. It kind of looks like cheers. That, so what you're saying is that, uh, well, first off, you've activated my trap card. I know. You said, you said the <laughs> cursed word, and now I'm going to talk about Cheers for 45 minutes. Oh, or is it you who has activated my trap card because I oh. wanted you to talk about Cheers? Oh, no. Life points gone. Beep, 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 beep. Oh. To the Shadow Realm with you, which is, for me, talking about Cheers. That's fair. That's fair. Please, continue. Um, I was going to say, uh, so are you going to be the first person to ever have a drink at this bar or are you just are you um, letting the are you letting the 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 streak continue? I don't even know if there's any liquor in these. Hold on. I posted a link. I posted a tweet of this. That'll be several days before the episode airs. But go browsing through my media. Jeff, there is literally no liquor in any of these bottles. Good. They are strictly decorative. Extremely good. Extremely good. Um, but yeah, this is getting me jazzed up this week. I'm hanging out with my grandma today. And um, sitting at the bar in the basement, feeling like a big boy who's going to make a big boy podcast. Love it. Living for it. What's getting you excited this week? 
Um, so my partner, my wife is at a, um, like a happy hour this evening. Lucky. So I did a thing today and I was like, um, I, I did, I did something that I don't normally do, especially on days when, when Jen is like out and I actually like treated myself to like an evening out, which is why we're recording a little later than usual. I like went out for dinner and a drink after work, which I never get the chance to do really. Yeah. Uh, it was great. I tried a place that I'd never been to. I got some really delicious uh, not quite like they weren't. They're called uh, hog wings. Oh, are they made of pigs? They are. They're ho- They're pork shanks. Oh, that are fried and sauced like wings. Fuck. Yeah, that sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, I feel really good. I love that. I love bar treats. I had wings last night, too, at a bar and they were like just the act of eating. Buffalo wings are one of my favorite foods of all time because we're from the great land of South Jersey where wings are fire there. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, Wings and Sojo are incredible. They're so good. They're absolutely great. The Pickle Lilies, great. Oh, God. It's the, the best of all time. I'm so jealous because Jen has gotten, Jen, like, has gone to a few wrestling shows, like, in and around Jersey and has gone to Pickle Lilies without me. And every time she's like, I'm at Pickle Lilies. And I'm like, I, I'm like, this hurts. You're, you're, you're saying a thing that hurts me right now. That sauce, no question. I've eaten it a lot of, I've eaten it a lot of fits. You know, like I've worked at fancy, like those bites of wings that are just right rival any oh, fucking single bite. Yes. They're the best. And this is a dope transition. I think we're a real podcast now um, because prompt this week comes from the Iron Hill Brewery on Twitter. Which is crazy that they're having that they had a brief conversation with us about a beer that they had that had a boar in a little German hat on, and I I think I tweeted at them screaming, and they responded with, "Boar tender, boar tender, boar tender, boar tender." Now I think it's very appropriate because I'm sitting at this bar in my grandmother's basement. Um, I'm very excited to be talking about someone who works behind a bar. Who is a boar person. This works out very nicely. I'm appreciating that you're at you're at a bar. We're talking about behind the bar. I'm so excited. So it's a boar person living in what, Iron Hill? We talk we go into the great uh, Yeah. Because I'd like to think that Iron Hill has like the best bar. We've talked about well, we've talked about this before, and I'm gonna talk about it at length now because why not bring in the things that were that we're snobby and overpassionate about? Facts. Uh, we talked about it before, but Iron Hill, I feel like, has a really great craft beer scene. Yes, absolutely. Like, has, like, a strong tradition of craft breweries. Yes. A lot of styles, a lot of, lot of varieties, a lot of, like, micro-brews, a lot of beers you'll try and you won't taste anywhere else, a lot of interesting flavor combinations. Absolutely. And that the, what, what gets me really interested about this prompt specifically is the fact that it's uh, boar tender doesn't mean you run the bar. It right. means you work at one. Yeah. So this is someone who is currently making drinks. What kind of play? What kind of bar are they working at? Is it one where it's? Is it like a brewery that also serves food and like you know can sell their own beer, like things like that? I do love a good brew pub. I'm gonna I'm Me gonna throw too. out a brew pub because I I am an absolute sucker for a brewery a brewery that'll give you some food to go with the beer. Yes, I am. Like anytime I'm traveling in the United States and I see a. Uh, brew pub i like i'd stop that's where that's where i'm going to dinner that night yeah it's because i just i want to try uh we're talking about beer and i want to talk about beer okay which is like i the thing that i love is drink is going to like the the breweries that like you pass along the way that don't distribute yes and drinking a thing that like i'm not gonna get anywhere else yeah like like trying a thing and going like i might never have this again i might never taste this flavor again 
And if or if I do, like, it's going to be when they blow up and I'm going to get to say that I tried it first. Yes. Like, that's such a cool experience that, like, that's that's something that really excites me is going to, like, a small little brewery and then being like, we made this and trying it and it being, like, the best thing that they offer. Outstanding. Outstanding experience top to bottom. Yeah, the the act of having something at a restaurant or a bar or anywhere, honestly, that's, like, precious you know, yeah. like before everything was super easily distributed or recorded on YouTube or uploaded and shared, like there was an idea that like things were precious. And like if you had it there, it was the only place you could have seen it, tasted it, smelled it, witnessed it, things like that. And I think that is that that's that's a good feeling about like this. This is a small brew pub in yeah, Iron sure. Hill. So something that I, I was thinking because I'm in a basement right now, something that is interesting, like when you work in a restaurant, there's a bar or something, a lot of times, at least in New York, and I'm sure in Philly, like the stock room will be in the basement. Yep. And when you're in a historic city, the basements of these buildings are oftentimes like horrifying catacomb like they're all look like what you imagine the horror of like the cask of Amontillado looking like. Yeah. And I like that image for Iron Hill of having like, old city stuff underneath like everyone's stock room is like you know brick and mortar and rough like they look like they are in fact some kind of catacomb of like previous iterations of breweries and bars that have come before yeah and i i thought the fact that it's in a basement you know like something like i like the idea that it's in a basement both because uh cheers is in a basement and that's important to me yes and also just because like the idea of like going down into a basement is cool like yeah, it's a no. cool experience like a basement bar like oh, those, it's like, cool. that's a cool experience it really is and you feel subterranean you feel like it's like your hideaway it's what's the bar called what's the brewery called hmm. if you could name a beer that was like fantasy inspired or iron hill inspired Hog under the hill. Fuck. That one, I'm I'm usually in awe. I'm like, I'm just staring into space right now because like, I'm thinking of being like, yeah, I had the hog under the hill stout and like their seasonal stout this year and it's fucking incredible. And like how real this sounds. Iron Hill, if you actually listen to this episode, do not steal that. And if you do credit us. <laughs> I mean, look, we will, we will sign that away. We will no, partner no question, with you. But you have to hit us beer. up first. You got to hit us, hit us up. Hit us Damn. up. Let's make it happen. So Hog Under the Hill Brewery, brewery and Pub and the Hog does. So this person is just a bartender, a boar tender, a boar bartender that works at Hog Under the Hill. Question for you. Do they have any personal investment in the success of this bar? Because yes. I'm currently leaving my job and because I, I don't give a fuck about its success. And I'm going to a restaurant where like I want it to succeed. So you saying yes. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to say not as much because like something about this that jumped out at me was uh, another note about like living in Philly. Mm-hmm. You know, the Philly, the Philly scene, the, 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 the bars that I'm around. Yeah. There's like a handful of bartenders that I've seen like go from bar to bar or work multiple bars in yeah, the same time. And so I like the idea of like this being someone that works a few bars works yeah. a few different places and but like isn't doing that to survive is doing it because like they just really enjoy the experience like they enjoy bartending and they just want to do it in a lot of different environments i thought i like this a lot 
Um, because fantasy, because if you, if you, are we going fantasy with this? Like, is it some kind of like cocktail making is like alchemy, you know, is brewing beer? Is it magically infused beer? I definitely want it to be magically infused beer. That okay. is if hundred percent. So they go, so this bartender, um, are, do they, do they brew their own or they just enjoy the, they enjoy the service industry. Some people like fucking love it. You know what I mean? And just enjoy bopping around from job to job or working several bars because like they just like being behind the bar. But like, why work so many? Is it because each one has a different flavor? Like each one has um, a different kind of kind of feel. So what immediately jumped out at me was that this is a bartender that people come to when they have a specific need. Oh, <laughs> like I this dig is it. this is this is an A team situation where you get sought out. Like, you okay. know what I mean? Like a bartender's like, we need this. We need your help, you know, and, and you are like a problem solver. Like real talk, that's accurate is to like the real service industry where like if you're good and you start like even you've worked at a bunch of restaurants, like I'm changing jobs because like I got poached. Like somebody sent me an Instagram DM and was like, yo, Aaron, like, you know, we need servers over at X. Um, do you want to come make more money? And I'm like, yeah. And I put in my two weeks that night. So like, this is real and I dig this, but I like the stakes being heightened because it's a fantasy setting somewhat where like, what is the, what is the need though? Is it their expertise? Is it their, do they help make cocktail menus and brew new cocktails? You know what I mean? Is it that, Mm -hmm. or is it, are they like bar managers or something? You know, what, what is the feel that you're getting from this? Because I have an idea for a quest. My, the feel I'm getting from this is. Somewhere between a bartender and a brewer. Yeah. With like a particular magical expertise. Okay. Where like you're particularly good at making a particular drink or I keep I, I keep doing this and, and this is going to be a big episode for this because Aaron, I've been saying all of this out loud and it just hit me that the idea of like someone who goes from establishment to establishment and is contacted by you know, said establishments to come in because uh, they have a particular set of skills. Yes. And they have to come in and like come in in a pinch because they need something done in a particular way. Yep. Aaron, have we ever talked about what my father does for a living? Not on air. And I thought he is a baker. So he is. The short answer is he is. The, this um, is, is he about to be like, I can't tell you because he works secretly for like the CIA. No, and he's been no, like no. snapping um, necks while his hands are covered in flour. So the the, the <laughs> truth is, oh no, my father like grew like he he's he went to a baking trade school. He he worked in bakeries since he was a kid, since he was like fifteen. He worked like managed bakery floors for years and years and years, and got approached by a ye- like a commercial yeast company. Yes. He now his job is that like he is at home like he does not go into an office if he's not on the job he is at home but when he goes on the job a bakery contacts him calls him on the phone and says like hey we need you to fly to fly to like you know Montreal or California or like wherever we need you to fly over here because our bread is coming out wrong. Oh, and he's got to go fix it. He's a fixer. He is a fixer. He goes to that bakery. Like, he wa- looks at their formulae. He, like, watches the bread being made. He tastes it. And he's like, you're doing this wrong. <laughs> like, so this is amazing. He fixes the problem and then, like, goes home. Dang. So, like, 
in describing all of this, I realized we're just describing what my father does for a living. Yes, we really are. And it's it's assassin-esque. It's like superhero-esque where like they call upon him and he's like, well, better go fix that ciabatta. You know, but... And I really like that this is the this is the brewer. This is like the brewmaster type thing. But also, but the real pat like, is it I you know they I try to get out. I just want to be a bartender, but they keep pulling me back in. Is it one of those? Because he is bartending. You know, I think he's what it is is um, he is a bartender brewer. So like um, he is contacted by breweries when something when a beer that they have made is magically wrong. I dig this. And you have given him you have given him he him pronouns, which I'm okay with, because what is your father's middle name? Do we already use it? Steven Is it John? That's why he's John, John Pierre, right? Yes, Damn yes. it. So we already used John. It could be Steve. It could be Steve. Oh, fuck yeah, his name is Steve. Steve, and it's he's a boar. Yeah. Steve His name is Steve Hoplever. Hoplever. Steve Hoplever. I Love it. And Steve Hoplever, when you have a problem, when you need beer tasted and tested or wine or, you know, or uh, uh, spirits, they call Steve Hop. Uh, what is it? Hoplever. Hoplever. Hop- they call Steve Hoplever and Steve comes over and is like, no, 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 no. Needs more juniper. This gin is all wrong. And like the the thing is, the thing that I want to add to this is because, yes, that is it. Like he comes in, he's like, the juniper's wrong. You know, we're going to brew it with this instead. We're going to make it this, this, this way instead. And what he ends up doing is, it's because it's magical, it's like he also has to go in and, like, fight a monster. So, this, okay, <laughs> the perfect, because I said I had a quest lined up, and I like this idea that it feels like some kind of assassin, or, like, you call them when you have a problem, and they come and solve it. You know, like, Steve is cracking his knuckles, like, all right, let me at that Imperial Stout, but... It makes me think that a lot of times it involves something I like is um, people who are foragers for restaurants who like I'm just a guy who walks in the fuck like this is my dream if I could do this where like I'm just someone who walks in the forest gathering mushrooms that I know where they grow and how they grow and how to harvest them like uh, sustainably and I sell them to restaurants for like money or He's just old and is like, there's a cask of that downstairs and I have to go get it. And like, yeah. is there a catacomb of, you know, oh, there's definitely like long abandoned, you know, labyrinthine, labyrinthine yes. wine cellars. And he's like, all right, I know just the thing for this party. I'll be right back. And he like solemnly draws a knife and descends yes. into the base. Yes. And like, it's like Jason the Argonaut style. Like you have to go get this thing, but it's always in the liquor. Well, like in New York, like the liquor cabinets or, or the cellars, they're usually fucking horrifying because they're from like, oh, it's from 1815. What's the big deal? I'm like, well, I don't know. This could collapse in my head at any second. And yeah. they're always like ghostly. So I think that's the thing where someone calls him and is like, can you come taste this, blah, blah. And he has a secret ingredient. Like maybe he just, there's just, okay. Let me just establish a fact. Underneath the uh, hog beneath the hill is a stash, is a long abandoned archive, a vault perhaps, of like master brewers and distillers. They stashed long ago the secrets of their great legendary, it's like a legendary weapon cache, but mm-hmm. like think components, think materials. And it's like all their recipes and like, you know, their preserved juniper, this like, this uh, like strain you can call it, I guess. But like, you know what I mean? Like these ancient yeah. varietals and real 
really like you know there's when you're crafting in a video game there's high quality ingredients but they're all in this vault esque labyrinth dungeon tunnel beneath the hog under the hill brewery and yeah. so only he of course because he is like you know, I'm thinking like the fucking Freemasons like puts his hand on a stone wall and it slides for him. You know, only master brewers can enter or something. And that's yeah. the quest is like, what is at the deepest chamber will what bring him joy? Because like, why does he care so much? This is now where we get to like the bottom of who Steve uh, Hoplever is. Right. Where it's like, why are they willing to do this? Because they care, you know? Why does he? Why is he doing this? Is it keeping the art alive? As it is so often in real world, where like real like you know people who care about brewing is like we've been doing this since you know we discovered you know fermentation. We've been creating alcohol and doing it at a high quality and having character. It's an expression for some people. Our friend Mark whoops like works in fucking sorry brewery. Sorry if I just doxed you, but like you were he works there and it's like his passion is like brewing delicious things that like people can enjoy and celebrate with and eat with drink with food and you know is it something like that it is and the other well the other half of that is because he's going into cellars into like ancient forgotten vaults and like grabbing drinks like grabbing yes. cocktails and and bottles of wine and beer and spirits yes like that's a thing and like there's something to that of like it's like what we were saying right it's exactly what we were saying it is this this beverage that is in this tunnel that has been preserved for a hundred years, thousand years, ten years, ten months, whatever, because of the conditions in which it was made, because of where it has been stored, because of you know what like because of where it is when it was made, how it was made, like there is you know these are these are rare beers which is a thing that exists in the world yep uh these are rare beers and the appeal of a rare beer is you're gonna taste it and you'll might and like you will never taste anything exactly that like precious it. feeling and okay it's that feeling of like i'm going to i'm going to share with you this beverage that was stored away in a vault the peep the owners died the vault was forgotten we got a lead that it was there we're going to come and like you know unearth it and we are going to to share it because the this was a beverage that was made to be shared 150 years ago it was stored away for a special occasion. That special occasion never came, but generations later, after everyone associated with this bottle of beer is long dead, maybe that special occasion is remembering those people that lived 150 years ago. I love it. Um, it makes me think of like a museum or an Indiana Jones type figure where it's like it belongs in a museum, but also it belongs like, so the idea would be that Steve goes down you know, grabs this legendary wine, perhaps, you know, it's from a million years ago, or it was, you know, everyone's dead, whatever. And no one knows how it's made. No one knows, brings it up, you know, ventures down, fights Gorgons and like, you know, risks his life, comes back up. And they all taste it as a community. This like, you know, the brewers, community distillers, all the winemakers, they taste this thing to gain insight oops i punched my arm i punched my boom arm again but to gain insight as to what like how it used to be done or to just like learn from the past and learn how you know just it's important to like preserve history in all things it is and it's it's also just like it's because they're tasty like at a certain point it's like at a certain point you know that you know there is 
I've I've talked I've you know there is a, an aspect of it that is like it's a thing that was made to be enjoyed like mm. it was made to be cherished and shared and partaken in and there is this element of like we drink this because someone made it once upon a time with the idea that people would drink it yeah if someone made this and drank it you know to not share it with friends and enjoy it in moderation and not cherish this this thing that someone has made would be disrespectful to the act that went into making it right like yeah making a like it is a it is that someone someone made this piece of art and through no malicious action of their own it vanished right like it Mm -hmm. fell in it fell into into the mists if we have an opportunity to bring it out and share it that the person that that we are then celebrating the life and times of the person that of you know the the brewer that made it in the same way that if you know a thousand years from now someone were to find an mp3 labeled episode zero the mystery of sam or the tragedy of samuel gord like i would want them to listen to i wouldn't want yeah, them absolutely. to like i wouldn't want them to put that on a flash drive and put it in a and you know hold on i would want it to be listened to because we made it for people to listen to it and enjoy it yes and i want my ghost to get its numbers higher so that maybe casper mattress calls Yes, right. I mean, at that point, I, I assume Casper Mattress is, you know, the only com- the only organization left. Yes, and I want to lay my <laughs> ghostly Casper body on a Casper mattress. This episode is not sponsored by Casper. Um, but yes, I love this so much. So it's this Indiana Jones-esque digging through these catacombs, these ancient vaults to help celebrate the craft and, you know, find these lo- things that were lost to time to fulfill those who are lost, like, fulfill the dream of sharing their art with others. Oh, but, I'm throwing it something, something out. Okay, I was going to ask you for a conflict or an until. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's something immediately that jumps out. Gimme. Necromancing. Oh, fuck. Wow, really? We're just bringing dead back? <laughs> yep, we're doing it. Okay, so is are they a necromancer? I think he, I think Steve is a necromancer, and, like, the way that his necromancy works is... You know, it is tied to objects, right? Like it's, it is it's tied... like ghost. It's like ghost, and they craft yeah. the beer together. And so the way that he like <laughs> communes with the way that he communes with the spirits of the dead is by opening these cocktails and sharing these drinks with people. And in doing so, he can talk to the people that made it. You know, the the vineyard own the the vineyard owners or the vintners and the brewers. And in doing so, like he literally like communes with them and shares in their story and helps tell their story to other people like it's it's you know my great grandmother was a was a home brewer and the last bottle of her favorite ipa has been vanished into the mist so he goes and he finds it and he opens it and he drinks it with this person and suddenly her spirit is there with them and they can you know talk and say goodbye and learn all of these things about them in this this very personal kind of way that is literally channeled through this object that you crafted once upon a time with you know love and passion okay so it gives me this idea that steve the problem then that steve solves is my great great grandmother my whatever my this recipe is lost they used to make it and I need you, Steve, because it's basically passing the tradition down then. Because if we're sharing it with the dead great-great-grandmother who used to brew her favorite IPA and it was lost, if Steve cracks that beer and out comes a ghost, you know, it's 
and a beer. My favorite IPA. You know what I mean? Could not. Me, you, Steve. Extremely crushable. (laughs) Couldn't the four of us potentially be taught how to recreate it so that current generations can enjoy it? So that can enjoy no, it and also just yeah. can add new magic to the exactly. ever-growing, the ever-expanding art of, of brew magic. Because you unfortunately hear too often in food culture, like, lost recipes in cultures. And like, yeah. well, no one eats that anymore. No one makes it. And the people who used to make it and put in that hard work, they're all fucking dead. So nobody fucking does it. So this would be a way to be like, you know, you get, like, Steve gets to go to your house. You go down into the vault under your bar. You know, you summon grandma. And grandma's like, and if if you take the yeasts, the, the, I mean, if you take the oats and toast them for just 59 minutes, not 60, it gets that multi toasty flavor. And you're like, holy shit. Oh my God. Now we can recreate it. And like, yes, the four of us are totally crushing sick brews down here, but now tons of people can. Like it's, yeah. it's this lovely, like tradition creating thing. And Jeff, you know, do you know that you've created my favorite tabletop game from the mid 2000s? What's that? Ghost Party. What is Ghost Party? Are you kidding? That tabletop game that used to bring to Sean's called Ghost Party? I don't remember Ghost Party. You're not serious. We jokingly played, talked about playing Ghost Party for years. I looked this up. Oh my God, Ghost Party. (laughs) Thank you. You've created it now. Where like you basically have a ghost, you have a party with ghosts. I did find Ghost Party and I do remember Ghost Party. Hilarious one. Very hilarious. But also like... This is a beautiful, like, now traditional, like, you yeah. know, passing on the things. But I have to ask you, this is all great and grand, but what is getting them in the way of what they want? So that they want us to preserve, and they love uncovering, of course, like, these ruins and finding these lost artifacts. But what's getting in their way? And I don't want it to be big business, because this is a potion game. Hmm. You know, is it just like they get trapped hmm. in a vault? Is it they've never been able to find their own family's, you know, special brew? I mean, I I do love I love that it is like not an easy thing and that like the the challenge and the quest and the obstacle is like every time you do this, it is this life threatening thing, right? Yeah, of course. Like these vaults are one, they're clearly haunted with like bottles of booze, but also like maybe they're filled with just like we've never explained how monsters work, but maybe just monsters are they, they love the catacombs of Iron Hill breweries and bars. God, we are advertising Iron Hill Brewery so much. There's just like, yeah, there's just like giant, you know, rats and big, you know, scary tentacle things that you got to like evade and avoid to get this bottle. And also like there's an element, you know, there's this educational element, right? Yeah, of course. It's like Delicious Dungeon now that we're talking about it. You know, there's this dungeon? idea that you have to like. I don't know, delicious. Dungeon. It's the Anna. It's the manga where about them eat dungeon. It's basically D and D, but they're only looking for food. Oh, there's a there's a web comic that's like that called Rutabaga. Fuck yeah. The idea, like, but there's this idea, and there's this element of like, I have to learn, right? Like, I can't just, I have to be able to confidently talk about a thing, right? Of course, because part of part of conjuring it, part of truly being able to like bring out this spirit is being able to truly be like oh i get it i see what you were doing like you you soaked the cherries in rum before you aged them in the beer i i see that i taste it i'm getting that i now understand what makes your beer yours right like if i were to drink it and just go oh this is an ipa like there's no magic in that no there's no magic there's no artistry in that no is it something like 
you know, every time he does this, it, you know, it gets harder. Or is he just older? You know, does he need to now pass this? Oh, I love him being older, yeah. Yeah, like, no one wants to do this but him. He seems like the only person willing to do it. And perhaps the challenge, then, is spreading this tradition of basically, like, sewer diving. I thought my sewer diving Mm -hmm. days were over. thought my sewer diving days were over. Quote Jeff's father. Um, (laughs) It's an actual quote. Um, uh, Like, is that the conflict where it's like no one wants to do this anymore because it's fucking hard? Why do you have to be a necromancer? I do love that. But also it's like it sucks. Like, you basically have to be a fucking dungeon crawler. What's the treasure at the end? A fucking Guinness. And you're like, oh. Like, you know, hero heroes would be like, cool. So I got a magic harp at the end, right? That, like, charm my foes. I'm like a legendary bard. Like, no, what's at the end is a bottle of Merlot. You're like, I... Yes, but you know what I mean? It's such a niche type adventure module that it makes me think that this is like, maybe there used to be a lot of these types of people and now he's the only one left. Yeah, like that. And that explains why people are like seeking him out, right? It explains why why people are coming to find him. Yeah, you're the last of the... the brew, I mean, brewmaster feels natural here. It's true. You're the last of the brewmasters and like, you know, you're the only person left who can do this. And does he have to take on, like, does he have a pupil type thing a successor um i i do like that he has to take on a a mentor but i think that also like yes i like that a lot i like that as a concept a whole lot okay how does he go about doing that do we want do we want to have that be an established welcome to all my fantasy children is hard listeners um do we want to say that's an established fact and that's essentially his conflict is like no one's doing this anymore and we wrap rolling on background tables and help flush flesh that detail out with knowing more about him yeah you know just because like any details we can get will help us establish the fact that like why it's so difficult finding a people could just because he's an asshole you know it could be that it takes such a specific set of skills that he might just not be that he might just not be able to you know make it happen like he is a necromancer and so like but is that the conflict the fact that like you have to be able to fucking pull get the dead to come out of a bottle that's that's real difficult. That is difficult. You can't teach that. Or can you? Maybe. Maybe you can. Maybe you can. Maybe it's that he has to invent how to teach people to do that in order to get in order to get someone to like learn how to do this very tiny skill. Yeah. Like I you know, there there there's a lot of stories about that in like art and and music and things. Actually, I have a great example of this. Okay. A, a, a real world example of this. Uh, have you ever heard the story of, like, how they made the song We Will Rock You? No, I have not. So, like, they wanted that particular sound, right? The doom-doom clap. You know, they wanted that, the stomp-stomp clap sound. They wanted it to be echoing. They wanted it to be massive. And they had virtually no time to do it. So what Brian May did was literally invent a way to, like, multi-track layer sound on itself so that it sounded like it was echoing but didn't sound like it was like you were repeating. Yeah. Like he literally invented a new way of like audio engineering in order to capture the sound that he wanted. And so like, that's, it's this idea of like, well, this is what I want. You know, I want, I want this tiny note. So I'm going to invent an entire symphony that will create this tiny note. And if people want to use the rest of the symphony, that's fine. I just need this one note. I dig it. It makes me think of like if, okay, it, it may, the perfect example is like making this episode or fantasy concept in Dungeons and Dragons in any table, dungeon world, whatever the fuck you're playing, 
these adventure modules, the one we like, the thing we always struggle with is like, what's the conflict? The conflict is if you're a necromancer and you have the power to commune with the dead, whether it's popping a beer or like, you know, doing like Arcana Dim Day and summoning them and like they fight for you, like traditional, you know, tabletop necromancer, odds are you're not going to be like, ooh, I know what I can do with my undead spirit power. Let me go diving into a bunch of brewery ruins and summoning ghosts and learning how they did it. It takes like a specific, like you said, like the kind of people who are like this blend of passion and I'm willing to fucking put this incredible effort in for something that a lot of people probably don't care about. But I do. It's like finding those kinds of people I think is just hard. It is. I mean, you got to find somebody who's not just passionate about the thing you're teaching them, but is passionate for this other specific reason. Yes, it's something that like we run across in like this show all the time, where we have like a warrior, and we're like, well, let's not talk about them fighting something. We're like, well, uh, and it's hard, and that's like kind of I think the conflict with Steve uh, Hoplever is is this kind of you know just finding people willing to do it because like if you have a necro- necrotic power, is that what you call it? Yeah. If you ne- yeah. If you have necromancy, odds are you're not going to be like, and I know exactly what I. It's like when people study dead languages. I'm like, God bless you. You know, if that's your passion, you know, it's like learning fucking Latin. I'm like, good because somebody's gotta. It keeps like a. It's keeping these things alive. It's that kind of thing where it's it's easy to not do it. It's it's yeah. yeah. But let's roll on some tables. Let's find out who they are. Now that we let's know what the conflict I- is, is just fucking finding necromancers willing to do this. Fine, I'll pull up the list of tables and we'll see what we'll see what we find. Is that okay? Yes, yes, yes. I'm just every I no, I've already pulled up like four of them. I just every time now I just every time I look through a little bit for like what's the worst we can find? Yeah. Oh boy, and boy if I am constantly finding ones that I'm like, fuck no. No? I'm kidding. So I've got cook. Well, I've got the cook background from the from dndwiki.com's five, uh, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons backgrounds. I figure cook is pretty much a, a good note for like a bartender, brewer, make you know lover of beer, maker of beer. Uh, there were a few other that I pulled up like archaeologist, but like we'd used that one before. Yeah, and like they're a multi talented person. Like you know you can be lots of things in a in, in yeah. an ideal uh, for me in a character creation session of like a tabletop game. You should be able to roll on at least two or three of these because like you can yeah. fit into multiple categories. Any hoozles. Give me a DA for personality trait. I'm using an online dice roller because I didn't bring any dice to my grandma's. Huh. I clicked and I got seven. I try to keep things as clean as possible. Oh, they they leave the everything is left like it like no footprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't. You don't, he's not trying to. He's not trying to trash the place. Yeah, he's not ripping open doors and kicking open like punching down walls and stuff. It's like no, you know, this, it's about it's about finding this thing that was lost, but like not, you know, leaving a mess behind. It's about preserving history. Yeah, it's about it's about it's a, it's a way of honoring. I mean, this is about honoring those people that came before us. That would be. Like, that would be disrespectful to those same people if you then trashed these things that they built. Yeah, exactly. Give me a D6 for an ideal. Six. Fame. I will be known as the greatest master chef of all time. Wow. He Okay, no, he really enjoys his role as being the guy. He's, like, good at dad marketing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's that dad on social media that's like, wow, you have a pretty good handle of your Instagram, but it's still very, like, dad-esque. Where he's like, are you a necromancer? Well, why don't you come hang out with me and go use your talents for good and let's restore lost recipes of alcohol. And you're like, Love what? It. 
And it's like, you know, he he has posters all over Iron Hill. He like has TED Talks on YouTube that like no one's in the audience, but he like shelled out for a whole like crew to film where he's like, have you ever had a wine? Now think about a wine 10,000 years ago. The way that, like, you know, everyone knows about him, but no one is particularly interested in it. Yeah. You see that shit all the time in like cities where it's like so and so is having a concert and you're like who the fuck is that? But the people who are down it's like he's basically an indie artist who is successful in his very specific field, like a famous paranormal investigator. Like we wouldn't know yeah. who the fuck he is, but paranormal investigators would be like, "Oh my god, it's Steve. Steve's a legend, man. In the brewery industry, he is the guy." Yeah, it's like O'Reilly I am obsessed. I love this. It's exactly it's exactly like O'Reilly. Well, can you give me a good Instagram post of his, a social media post? I can't find his Instagram or anything, but I know to what you're describing. I mean, O'Reilly is 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 one of the was one of the head brewers at Sly Fox for a very long time, which is why they have the O'Reilly Stout. Love it for reference. It's that kind of thing where like beer beer people know know them. But yeah, it's that idea. It's that idea that like most people would never know who he is. But if you're into this particular hobby, you hear that name and you're like, oh, oh, of course. Steve, Steve Hoplever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Guy's a legend. Guy's a he's he's a god. He's the guy. I love it. Yeah. And he leans into that a lot. He likes that. He he thinks that's a good way to like get people excited about it is by leaning into the fact that he's in demand and he just kind of enjoys the attention. I mean, here's here's a great here's the perfect example. It'd be like I mean, it's like, you know. If I say the name Mike Quackenbush to you, that doesn't mean anything. No. <laughs> but if I say that name to somebody that is a fan of, of indie wrestling, of independent professional wrestling. Wait, that, was that a real name? Yeah. Mike Quack Quackenbush? Quackenbush. Mike Quackenbush. That, Jeff, that is the most All My Fantasy Children name I've ever heard for a duck person living in All My Fantasy Children. That's fair. That's fair. Uh <laughs> Sorry, please continue. But yeah, he's... Founded Chikara. He's a he's an innovative wrestler. Invented a bunch of moves. He's, he's a fame. Like I said, doesn't mean anything to you. But like, if to someone to someone to whom this hobby is important, like that is a name that carries weight in the same way that Steve Hoplever might not mean anything to you if you're like, you know, a pig farmer out by out by Geo. Yeah. Because you, I don't give a shit about craft beer. But like, <laughs> if you're a craft beer person around Iron Hill, like Steve Hoplever, yeah, I know that name. I love those kinds of celebrities. Where like, why is everybody like uh, like esports players? You know, mm -hmm. some few esports players. Everyone's like, holy shit! And then a lot of people are like, who's that nerd? Yeah. Awesome. What is next? Give me a D six for a bond. Let's get it. That's a six. I always keep a bottle of my favorite spice. Or herb on hand. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, he's all about legalizing it in Iron Hill. No, that's not it. So yeah, no. I think I think that in his family, he does not have a, uh, I don't think he has an ancestral brew. What I do think he has, though, is like his family has always gotten like, you know, maybe they, hmm, I'm trying to think of like, you know, they never got to the, the point where they actually made a brew, but perhaps his dad was like, I've always wanted. Uh, I like the idea that, like, to your point, I love that he doesn't, his family doesn't have one, but I, like that kind of gives me the idea that he's making one, right? Like, this is the first, his is the first generation that will have this drink to pass on, right? Yeah, of course. And he's he's got spices and herbs and, and all sorts of things to, like, experiment because he's like, before I hang it up, before I walk off into the mist, I am gonna hand someone a beer recipe that they're gonna hand off to they're gonna slightly modify and hand off to their child and slightly modify and we're gonna have we're gonna make like something that truly like 
tells the story of our family. Yes, absolutely. Where he's like, I don't have this, but like every a lot of other people have a lot of stories that are worth listening to and learning and recipes and things like that. And there's a lot of value to that. And I think one day, I think before he dies, he's going to make one of his own. Yeah, for sure. And then people, he's like, and when I do die, you better call me like the next day and pop a beer with me so we can have a hashtag ghost party. Ghost party. Hashtag ghost party is his favorite hashtag. He always posts like... It's like him taking a selfie with like a miner's helmet on. And he's like, about to go uh, underground at dad's bar and grill and hashtag ghost party. Only, only uh, one, co- there's one comment. What is it? Loving that beer. Six exclamation points. <laughs> from who? I think you know from who. <laughs> Big Jeremy himself. Huge <laughs> lover. That, loving that beer. Loving that beer. He likes all of in- Jer- Big Jeremy's comments, but like. Here's the thing. Also, like, it makes me very happy that there is now a local... Something about Iron Hill that I think is fun is that there are local celebrities, and Big yeah. Jeremy is trying to be one, not knowing <laughs> that he's, like, kind of like a god living in Iron Hill. He wants to be cool so bad. Oh, there's my grandma's phone ringing. Please don't mind her landline. Loving that beer. Mmm, Tasty. All capitals. So I think there's a lot of people all over the world who are really into his shit because if he travels the world, you oh, know, yeah. doing that. Oh, my God. Some, Grandma, answer the phone. <laughs> Hold on one sec. Grandma. Grandma. Get the phone. Um, I think this idea that, like, he has fans all over the world in the different brewing scenes. Like, yeah. you know, like people comment on his page, like, when are you coming back to Mooncrest and we can pop another ghostly ice wine? I have to say, I don't know why everybody is a little Guy Fieri when it comes to social media. <laughs> That's you know what you put on a you put on a persona when you log on to Wizwit. Like it's it's, it's just like it's just the way that people communicate on the platform. It's true. You know, it sounds really familiar, Wizwit, but I can't put my finger on it. Nope, it's an original creation. Please, Jarella D sex for a flaw. <laughs> I have a really good thing in a second too. Five. I have little to no tolerance for frivolity. Hates cheap beer. Hates cheap beer. Hates cheap beer. Hates you know lack of craftsmanship. He hates like, the lack of yeah. effort. Like he's going the extra, 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 extra mile for something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you know, and anymore, it's like I did it last night. I bought jarred ingredients to like make a pot of rice and beans. I did not chop up like three onions, two tomatoes, dice it, blend it. You know, a chote oil and stuff. Like no, I just bought it in a fucking jar and threw it in. He's the guy who's like, how dare you? How? Yeah fucking dare you know how much work that onion farmer went into growing that onion uh, no i understand that knife maker so you could chop that onion oh my god i know he's he's a bit much he's intense there's a value there's a val- like there's a value and a power to that and he's like you're gonna acknowledge you're gonna acknowledge and appreciate it whether you like it or not i'm in your he is a little <laughs> guy fieri he's like a little when i say a little he's a lot guy fieri where he's going to like your diners drive-ins and dives and finding your ghost spirits and also at the same, like, it's for better and for worse, right? Because he's up in your face like, you're going to appreciate it. You're going to get the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, much like how Guy Fieri is genuine, like genuinely yes. built his yes. brand around, like, I'm going to go to small restaurants that are making good food. And, like, I'm going to put on this this ridiculous act and play this character in a way to get people to pay attention so that I can then go, this is a restaurant that deserves your business. And all of those businesses continue to do better and better because they were featured on a show. 
He is, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get in your face. We're going to get in there. We're going to crack that tomb. We're going to bring out this beer. We're going to have a hashtag ghost party. And then he gets down there and it's like this precise procedure. He takes it. He like, you know, quietly whispers a thank you to the spirits that still dwell in the tomb beneath. He brings it back up. He cracks it. He takes a sip and he's like, mm, okay. What's really delicious about this is like, you can tell that it was barrel aged, but that it wasn't like barrel aid. It wasn't like put straight into a barrel. You can tell that they brewed it. This is like a small batch of it that was also barrel aged because it has like multiple flavor profiles. You're getting the barrel after, but you're not getting it. Like it's not the first, it's not hitting you in the face, which tells me that it was moved into a barrel later. And I, I like the idea that he takes you down. Like if you're the, you're the person looking for this, you go with him. You go with mm-hmm. Guy Fieri basically on diners, drive-ins and tombs. And, like, you go with, so you get the experience of going in the tomb, of seeing it unearthed, and then he's like, all right, let's go upstairs and see if we can recreate this. Now that we've met, you know, the creator of this ghost, this ghost beer, ghost wine, you know, let's go upstairs, see if we can recreate it using that recipe, huh? And this is a very successful television show. Yep. Which makes it even more Guy Fieri, but not the played out flavor town jokes that guy fieri is like this really passionate like really good person that that's why he's a bartender because he goes to these places and is like do you want to taste something really precious this is what this bar has been whipping up lately like this is what the ice wine that was made ten thousand years ago by a legendary winemaker and like and that's why it draws the crowds in because they're like holy shit steve hoplever is gonna be at the the slippery icicle. The slippery icicle. He's going to be at the slippery icicle like, oh my God. And he only does it at these like small, like upstart places to try to get big crowds in because he is Guy Fieri. He travels yes. around, you know, doing his thing, but he really cares and he's really passionate. I am obsessed with this Boar Fieri. Love it. Is that it? Is that all we do? I think that's it. I think that's a wrap. Dang. Thank you so much for your prompt. <laughs> Iron Hill Brewery. Um, Iron Hill Brewery is in a lot of locations. Go check out their cool stuff. They're not giving us any money, so you should just follow them on Twitter. That's all I'll say. <laughs> they're fine. <laughs> yeah, they're neat. And if they've listened this far to the episode, cool. We, you guys are great. We love you. And if you haven't, you know, silence, brand. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you'd like to submit a prompt of your own for VGUs in our episode, there's so many ways you can do it. You can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. You can email them to us at all my fantasy children at gmail.com. You can go to our discord at bit.oy slash AMFC discord. Or you can go to all my fantasy That was a lot of me. I was pointing at specific people in the audience as I did it. Oh, so yeah, we are knew. live in grandma's basement after all. Yeah. <laughs> While you're on the internet, be sure to check out all the things A Catastrophe and the, and the Weasel. And the Weasel. And the Weasel at uh, allbyfastandchildren.com. Be sure to check out the latest episode, submit props, and be sure to check out our Wikipedia page and submit an article or two if you like. If you're nasty. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, while you're on the internet, though, you should go check out Weasel's other podcast. You sure should. It's called uh, it's called Weasel Facts, and it's where I get real about a lot of issues that I think we need to be talking about. Cause like you know, I'm trying not to censor myself, and I feel like you know, too. I this Aaron, this has gone too. We have to cut like all of this. Why? I no, we, it no, we don't. I, no, we I don't. It. It's great. No, I, Just tell them I about uh, Weasel of One. 
Weasel of One. That's where that's his one man podcast where he gets real about topics and he does not let himself censor. Fuck. What's your other podcast, Jeff? My other podcast is Party of One, which is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with a friend. We play a two-player game. We share some laughs, maybe a few tears. We have a really good time. New episodes drop Tuesdays at partyofonepodcast.com. Dang tootin'. Um, and also, All My Fantasy Children is proud to be a part of the One Shot Podcast Network. There are a variety of amazing tabletop RPG things like streams and podcasts, mostly podcasts. They're all really good. Go check out some backstory. Learn some stuff from Alex Roberts. Go check out Modifier from Meg Lish. Go check out um, Arms of the Tide. Uh, go check out uh, Skyjacks. Go check that out, too. It's good. They're all good. What else do we do? Verbal hug this week. Um, everything, everything you love has a story and learn that story and love that story and carry that story with you because it will make your story richer and deeper and more informed. And, you know, in the end, we are not but stories. So you may as well take all of the stories you can with you and impart the best story you can when all is said and done. I love that. Um, yeah, don't be afraid to take what is what you think of as the like we always talk about that we're like fantasy and fun and fiction is everywhere and the stories kind of this show is celebrating the smaller overlooked details of like a fantasy setting which is to say a real setting which is real life where like you know the small town celebrities the small town legends and folklore and like what if if you just look at someone and say that's a that's a fighter that's a mage there's so much more to them and to you than most people probably know and our show is finding out those fun details and jokey silly things while also splashing in that reality and i what, what that point is is i encourage you all to sit down and think about the things you love the people you love and care about and look at them and think what is more there? What's deeper? What's cool about that? Why do I like what I like? Figure that out. Find out the beauty in it. And then maybe share it with someone. Maybe make it into a show. Just talk to somebody about it. Like, I was just driving with my grandma, and we looked at the fall foliage. And I was like, I don't want to talk about that tonight, but it is something I'm deeply interested in. And so I read a bunch of Wikipedia articles. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It very I happy. Mean, yeah, and I wanted to talk about basement bars. So... Yeah, it's just, like, enjoy life and enjoy the things that are you're passionate about and help share them with other people in whatever way you can. Yeah. That is a wrap. That's a wrap. So until next time, good night. night. Good, good game. game. Two, three, four, Lore Notes with Aaron. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Lore Notes with Aaron. Today, we're going to talk about the Mountain City of Geode in a different kind of way. Um, I know it's the one we had gotten into probably the least, and we're still still working on it. It's a very hard thing that I want to nail down, but I was thinking of this episode and thinking of notes. Um, in Geode, it's layered like a cake, right? I want you to think of this beautiful layered cake with about 100,000 different layers, each one representing different ecosystems, our interests, or cool things like that. Now, Geode is definitely known for having the most magical items hidden in it than any other part in the world. Now, I want you to think about what that means. If Geode is mostly artificial, if these layers were created by the machine god, as we all know, 
and each one is designed to look a certain way and give a certain feel and present certain adventure and things like that. Wouldn't essentially all the adventuring layers of Geode where people think they're exploring and finding magical items, wouldn't they basically be a big MMO designed by the machine god like giggling at the bottom of the whole mountain? But yes, it's true. So there are tons of magical items and gear and adventures come all over to like, I'm going through the swamp layer of Geode and I want to find the magic sword of Frost. So... What they're really doing is going, finding this one layer, taking, I'm assuming, the elevator or the trolley down and going through a swamp and battling through monsters, which I would love to do on the show, is one of these essentially geode adventure modules. It would be sort of something like, I don't know if it's an unwilling danger room type feel or if people genuinely think like geode's just full of different dungeon quests and like it's a great way to farm gear. I feel like that's a good feel for geode. It's stupid. It's fun. And it kind of presents a lot of opportunities for adventurers to have like a hub of, you know, like they're essentially grinding dungeons in geode where like they're always changing. They're always evolving. These layers can be different the next time you go. So like you go to the swamp of of Frost Christopher and like the next time you go back it's like been dried up there's different caverns exposed it's kind of like seasons rolling out or like patches in an MMO and it's a feel that I kind of want to lean into as we move forward with AMFC is that Geode is kind of this adventure MMO layer where it genuinely feels like you're in a different world the second you step into it and it's from design like it's it's supposed to feel that way where like there some people say there's fantasy and then there's geode where geode is just like a beast all its own where they have their own plant life and different animals because like you know there's there's the natural animals that were like in the mountain before the machine god found the relic but there's also like post machine god geode which is this customized, designed, amazing thing. Like, think about it. Every layer is an adventuring zone. That means every layer has their own artificial sun and ecosystem. How dope. But anyway, if you're a lore nerd like me, I hope you enjoyed Lore Notes with Aaron, and uh, I hope you see where I kind of want to lead into the next episode with as we're going forward. I want to really flush out a lot of the world. I want um, adventures to start taking place in fantasy and have players in them have a pretty good idea of where they're at and what they can like create in their head. You know, all we're doing is creating images on the show and essentially an aural uh, with an A um, world building guide for like world guide to fantasy. And I hope you all enjoyed this and we'll talk to you next week. No, this episode was a little late and I apologize for that. Life has been bananas. Um, but yeah, have a good week. Hope you enjoyed this episode uh, and I'll talk to you next time. Lore notes went in. <laughs>